Hello and welcome to episode 18 of Real Life Ghost Stories. Hello. We're going to kick off with our review straight away. Our review this week is The Cured, which was released in 2018. It has an IMDb rating of 5.5 out of 10 and it has a Rotten Tomatoes rating of 67%. Oh, that's not too That's quite high. That's well, higher than I was expecting it to be. Do you want a synopsis? Yeah, let's have a synopsis. What happens when the undead return to life? In a world ravaged for years by a virus that turns the infected into zombie-like cannibals, a cure is at last found and the wrenching process of reintegrating the survivors back into society begins. Among the formerly afflicted is Senin, played by Sam Keeley, a young man haunted by the horrific acts he committed while infected. Welcomed back into the family of his widowed sister-in-law, played by Ellen Page, Senin attempts to restart his life, but is society ready to forgive him and those like him, or will fear and prejudice once again tear the world apart? Pulsing with provocative parallels to our troubled times, The Cured is a smart, scary and hauntingly human tale of guilt and redemption. What did you think? I thought it was a good concept. I like the idea of it going into it and I thought it raised some interesting thinking points as to what life might be like as a zombie and what kind of traits we might carry over from being normal human to being zombified. And I like the concept and the idea, but I don't think it quite executed it as well as it could have done. I thought it was, yeah, a really good concept. In the opening 10 minutes, they did that scene where... It was um, the news reports of how people felt about reintegrating the mm-hmm. cured back into society. You know, it's a really Irish film when one fella goes, oh, do you know, I don't like the cured. They're just, they're no crack. They're just <laughs> miserable. They're just miserable going around the place. Can't have any crack with them. I was like, oh, for God's sake. But you know, that would be an answer if you just all like, the someone in the general public were given an answer like that, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, they're just, they're just a bit miserable. They're killed too Fucking miserable, people. yeah. Just they can't get over themselves. Yeah. And it was, I liked Ellen Page. I thought was very good in it. Yep. And I liked the idea. Yeah, and I liked the idea of the cured and how they would manage that. How you would manage that as a human being if you knew that you had killed like your mum or your sisters or your brothers or whoever it was, and you had no control, but you still had those memories when you were cured. And it's really interesting how how would you manage that as a society? And what do you do with the twenty five percent or whatever it is that they couldn't cure as well? That was the other dilemma that was going on at the time. What do they do with those? So the ones that can't be cured, is it okay to just exterminate them? So really it's a film about ethics it's yeah. not it's not it's not particularly horrific and it's not it's not a traditional zombie film in the sense of i don't know 28 days later or something like that 28 days later is not a traditional zombie film either though because if you think about 28 days later Good. it has yeah, it goes point. into the human aspect all right it's not a traditional and zombie film like day of the dead yeah there you go that's better okay <laughs> that's better and they're not zombies either they've not died and come back to life oh, yeah, it's a virus yeah yeah but uh, most modern films are virus related though yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, I, it, it had some good points. It wasn't particularly jumpy. There was a couple of jumpy moments, but it wasn't particularly scary. But it just raised a lot of interesting issues, like zombies having leaders and stuff like that. It was quite interesting. Yeah, whether or not they're pack animals, which yeah. was cool. There was some really good Irish talent in that film. So if you're an Irish listener, you'll know, obviously, the series Love Hate, which was a series that was made in Ireland that was really popular. I think Robert Sheehan was in it. Nidge from Love Hate was one of the main guys in The Cured, and he was brilliant. Yeah, he was really he good. He was, he is good. He you wanted oh, to, uh, yeah. 
the feelings that he inspired in you is what he was going for, I think. So that was, yeah, yeah, he was very, brilliant. very good. He was brilliant. So and it, like, I think it's a very brave Irish film as well. I think it's it's a it's a really interesting film and it's visually very beautiful and very reminiscent of Twenty Eight Days Later, which is one of my favorite films ever made. Big statement, but visually it is very beautiful. And I don't know if I was turned into a zombie and I killed everybody you loved, would you forgive me when I was cured? <laughs> working on the basis that I survive somehow. Oh yeah, you're not going to survive. I'd use you as bait. I'd use you as like a decoy so I could survive. Yeah. I think it's, it's uh, probably it's quite an interesting insight into the modern film industry as well because it's probably a film that has, was it going out to studio and into cinemas might not have been made but I got the impression it was made for streaming services. I don't know whether that's 100% true but I got the impression it's made for streaming services and actually that kind of you don't have to rely on people paying for a ticket. People are more likely to take a chance on a streaming service. So sort of these yeah. borderline films are, are more likely to be made, which I think makes it better for everybody, really, because you get little gems that you probably wouldn't see otherwise. What would you give this film out of five? I'd give it five out of five for concept. Ooh, I thought you were going to say five out of five in general. I was like, were we watching the same film? I really liked the idea and I liked what they tried to explore with it. But I think it was probably about a three, three out of five for execution I agree I'm going to say 3 out of 5 because they spend too much time trying to make it heartfelt which is going to sound really stupid <laughs> but they did they spent too much time trying to make it dramatic and heartfelt rather than actually embracing the fact that it is at the end of the day a zombie film and you can of course explore all of those concepts and all those ethical dilemmas but actually the character that I connected with the most in terms of pure hatred was the one who was least emotionally developed yeah true so it, true. it's kind of I, I appreciate what they were trying to do but I still would give it give it three stars but that's probably why you hated him though right oh yeah because there was no emotional oh, yeah. level to him that is why I hated mm. him it's brilliant it's very, it's very interesting the things that they raise there's a lot you could have done with it I think and they, they had an admirable stab at it yeah definitely I just don't think it was as good as it could have been or as I definitely was. would recommend that you watch it though if you're listening I would absolutely recommend that you watch it just just to, just so you can think about how you would feel in that situation and what you would do and there's a dad at the very beginning who rejects his son because even though he's cured he can't bear to look at him and it was it's that interesting dilemma about what you would do as a human would you be able to forgive and it raises interesting um, interesting discussions or thinking points about power as well yes and about how power can be manipulated and how it's actually very dangerous was that probably the most serious film film review you've ever done yeah it probably was actually because <laughs> i didn't take the piss out of it once no. no except for that bit at the beginning but yeah so a couple of weeks ago we reviewed velvet buzzsaw we did and it now, wasn't about a wrestler from the 80s it was not about a wrestler from the 80s that is true much to my absolute disappointment <laughs> if we thought ahead perhaps velvet buzzsaw would have been a more fitting review for today's episode oh is this about a wrestling ghost it is not about a wrestling uh. ghost i wish i'd fucking wish i'd pretended it was just <laughs> your little face today we're going to talk about two stories one which i'm sure you're going to be aware of and i'm sure a lot of our uk listeners will be aware of and the other one you're not aware of i can imagine but the second one terrified me to the same degree that dear david did and you'll see why when we get on to the second story oh i guess it is my turn to be scared our first story okay is the Curse of the Crying Boy paintings. Oh, okay, okay. Now, what do you know about the Curse of the Crying Boy paintings? Um, I know that there, there is a painting, a very famous painting, a very famous mass-produced print mm-hmm. of a rather angelic-looking boy who's got signed kind of Disney-esque features to him who's crying, but, but also seems to be inextricably linked to houses burning down unexplainedly, is what I know about it. Brilliant. That's the, that's the basis of it, but there's way more to this story than that. Mm, great. Do you believe in curses? Yeah. 
Absolutely. Okay, so we'll talk about that afterwards as well. Now, my story for this, in all of my research, this was, I think, the best one that I could find. And it came from exemplar.com and was written by a woman called Anne Kearney, who researches this kind of stuff and writes about it. Are you ready? Yes. When I was a young child in the 70s, I became fascinated by a painting in my grandmother's house. The painting was a cheap print of a popular painting and hung on the living room wall of her small terraced house. The reason I was so fascinated was that the picture depicted a child. The boy was a similar age to me and for some reason looked sad and downcast, tears brimming from troubled eyes. I was so attached to the painting, I even gave the sad child a name. A few years after the painting went up on the wall, there was a devastating kitchen fire in the house. While the kitchen was destroyed, the rest of the house was undamaged. Despite this, the painting of the boy was removed and thrown into a skip along with the contents of the kitchen. For years it puzzled me why my grandmother did this until I read a series of articles about a cursed painting. That painting was The Crying Boy. The Crying Boy was one of a series of paintings by artist Giovanni Bragolin completed in the 1950s. The series depicted young teary-eyed children. While it may seem strange to want an image of a weeping child in your wall, the pictures proved popular all over the world. In the UK alone, over 50,000 copies were sold. The children represented were often poor and very beautiful. One boy's image particularly tugs on the heartstrings, his sad eyes a sad reflection of his soul. He became known as the crying boy. In total, Bragolin painted over 60 paintings and up until the early 80s, the prints and reprints of his images continued to be mass-produced. In 1985, the most popular tabloid newspaper in the United Kingdom printed a story that was to cause panic and end the popularity of Bragolin's work. The Sun newspaper published an article entitled Blazing Curse of the Crying Boy. The story described the terrible experience of May and Ron Hall after their Rotherham home was destroyed by a fire. The cause of the fire, much like my grandmother's, was a chip pan that overheated and burst into flames. The fire spread rapidly and destroyed everything on the ground floor. Only one item remained intact. A print of the crying boy on their living room wall. Distraught at their loss, the devastated couple made the bizarre claim that the painting was cursed and it, not the chip pan, was the cause of the fire. The tale would have disappeared in the archives of the strange and the mischievous stories that peppered the sun, except for one thing. A firefighter claimed that he had attended at least 15 house fires where everything was destroyed. The only thing left complete in each house was the picture of the crying boy. Before long, the story gathered momentum and a rash of fires all over the United Kingdom were blamed on the cursed child. In subsequent articles, the son went on to claim a lady in Surrey lost her house to fire six months after buying the painting. Two sisters in Kilburn had fires in their homes after buying a copy of the painting. One sister even claimed to have seen her painting sway backwards and forwards on the wall. A concerned lady of the Isle of Wight attempted to burn her painting without success and then went on to suffer a run of bad luck. A gentleman in Nottingham lost his home and his family were injured. A pizza parlour in Norfolk was destroyed, including every painting on the wall, except for one. When the Sun reported that even rational firefighters refused to have a copy of The Crying Boy in their homes, the reputation of the painting was damned forever. In all these cases, and many more that were reported, the painting of The Crying Boy remained unharmed. Eventually, if there was an image of a crying child by an artist in a house that went on fire, the painting was blamed. 
Some claimed that they experienced bad luck if they attempted to destroy or get rid of the paintings. Others were convinced that it was only a matter of time before disaster struck them. After printing more articles and scare stories, the Sun offered a frightened public a solution. On Halloween 1985, hundreds of the paintings were collected together by the newspaper and burnt under the supervision of the fire brigade. So why would this seemingly innocent series of paintings be cursed? Before long, speculation was rife. Theories ranged from a little boy being a gypsy child whose family placed a curse on the artist. Some claimed that the child had died in a fire and his spirit was trapped inside the painting. The most enduring story claimed the crying boy accidentally set fire to the studio of the artist who had painted him. The child's parents had also been killed in the blaze. Wherever a little orphan went, fires mysteriously followed, earnestly nicknaming him Diablo or the Devil. The boy supposedly survived to early adulthood but was tragically killed when his car crashed and burst into flames. From then onwards, it was his images that carried on his cursed fascination with fire. In a bid to debunk the stories that grew up around the painting of the crying boy, various experts offered their own theories. A frustrated fire brigade pointed out that in all cases there had been fires, there was a rational explanation. The fires in almost all cases could be traced back to human carelessness or electrical faults. What they couldn't explain was the evidence that the paintings often remained intact when everything around them was destroyed. In a 2010 video made by Steve Punt and available on YouTube still, a painting of the crying boy is set alight in a bid to decide the matter once and for all. By the time the fire burns out, the corner of the painting is scorched but it remains largely intact and the face remains completely untouched. Yet, the son who first published the story of the crying boy had no trouble incinerating hundreds of copies. Possibly the simplest of the explanations is that the picture is printed onto fire-retardant materials. Quite simply, the manufacturer of the print created a fire-resistant product that became the victim of its own success. The debate continues. My grandmother was not a superstitious woman. Indeed, she went on to have another much worse fire some years later when her refrigerator overheated. Was she right then to throw away her painting of my little friend because of unsubstantiated rumours? I think so. While there's probably a very rational explanation for the phenomenon of the crying boy painting, where curses are concerned, I believe it's better to be safe than sorry. What are your thoughts? First of all, fuck the sun. Just get that out there. (laughs) I hate this painting with a passion before I knew anything about it because it's got a kid in it and they're just so scary as it is without having any curses or fires and stuff i really never i never knew that story when i was a kid and i knew plenty of houses that had this painting uh, it wasn't like anybody in my family that i can remember but i've been to friends houses where they had this up this was a really popular painting for a yeah. long time and it was cheap mass reproduced and actually the the series itself there doesn't seem to be quite as much connected to the other kids in it but they're all creepy they're all horrible like i can't stand them i don't know how that woman made friends with it <laughs> Uh, she didn't make friends with it she didn't she bring did. it around with her gave it a so name do, and everything do you, wanna, do you wanna have a look at the paintings the Not, series oh uh, yeah I'll look at the other ones because I can't remember what they are but I ate that little boy oh that one in the bottom corner it's like he's Damien. fucking angry isn't he <laughs> there's a really angry boy in one of them but I don't, don't think he's a fragile either <laughs> he's blowing your house up not burning it down yeah, he's <laughs> um, <laughs> he's outside with a Molotov cocktail ready to fucking burn it down I think Oh, as much as I want to believe that this painting is cursed, I'm going to have to say that I actually think this is a case of mass hysteria because all, all of these stories, 
I can just imagine the stories. It's like, oh yeah, and the, and the, and the painting didn't burn. I mean, the chip fa- the chip pan caught a light, but um, you know, it was definitely the painting. And like, and everyone oh had my. a chip pan in the eighties. Everybody as well. had a chip everyone. pan in the eighties, and it was like if you ever saw a fire safety video at school in the eighties, all the fires started from blooming chip pans. When my mum even mentioned the fact that she might have get might get a chip pan when we were younger, I was like, no. Nah, no, we'll all Our house death. will burn down. So I'm pretty sure that actually the sun should have started a campaign against chip pans rather than uh, this painting. And actually, the painting probably never burned because it's probably covered in shit loads of chemicals. Yeah. Because it was mass produced, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, and there, there are things called safety standards in this country, believe it or not, which ap- apparently apply to cheap paintings but don't apply to chip pans. That's something I need to tell you. Okay. You've got one of you. So I found oh, an original. Oh, it's not in that fucking box, is it? <laughs> you didn't actually write the painting did you oh my god I really wish it was in that box oh right god. now it's, I got a box oh. delivered earlier and I won't oh. tell Dan what's in it just oh. for no reason one of these days you're actually gonna like scare the crap out of me with one of these things I always no but I'm serious in. yeah okay I did find an original right okay and I'm gonna buy it no don't I, I found it on eBay and I'm gonna buy it no don't what would you do if I brought it into the house move out see I was thinking of putting it there no move it out why are you so negative because even if it is, even if it isn't cursed, that boy is horrific looking. If it, I will leave. <laughs> it might just be temporarily because I don't actually want to leave you, but I will leave the house. To be fair, like I don't know if we could attribute any bad luck to a painting that we brought in. I mean, when we first moved in here, a car drove through the fucking house. <laughs> no, not drove reversed. <laughs> reversed through. There. It doesn't get much worse than that. Yeah. No, just don't do that for me, please. Okay. So, and please. I and I, I I originally didn't want to talk about the the crime boy curse because you know i do think i do think it was mass hysteria on the part of the newspapers i think it was a great story especially when they knew that fifty thousand people had bought this painting yeah and they could have some massive event they probably sold tickets at a bonfire event didn't they that bonfire event was huge and if i can remember correctly they had to have it outside of london and they obviously spun the story that like there was too much risk with having this these paintings that many of these paintings in the middle of London, but bollocks, bollocks, bollocks. None of it's true, obviously. Yeah, but if you go to the field where it was burnt, nothing has grown in that field ever since. No, there's just one painting left. And that bonfire is alone, <laughs> alone is the cause for the global warming yeah. because of the chemicals that they sent up into the atmosphere. <laughs> but this leads me to our second story. Okay, I'm, I've got a feeling I'm not going to like this one as much. Now, this is a very bizarre story and it's been around for a lot longer than Velvet Buzzsaw. So let's start with that. Okay. So if you've listened to the Velvet the, Bel- the Velvet, Velvet Buzzsaw, <laughs> the Velvet Buzzsaw review, you'll know the premise of that story. But this story was around first, and this story is called the Anguished Man. The man who owns this painting has a series of videos on YouTube. His name is Sean Robinson. If you look up the Anguished Man on YouTube, he's got I think eight or nine videos up there. This story is in his own words. This is an email that he wrote to a website called weekinweird.com. We'll talk about his motives for that afterwards. Are you ready? No, I'm really not, but let's do this. Over 25 years ago, a friend of my grandmother gave her an old oil painting called The Anguished Man. She told my grandmother that the artist used his own blood mixed in with the oils and committed suicide shortly after finishing the painting. I've no way of... No, I'm serious. If someone gives you a painting and tells you that backstory, you're not saying, yeah, I don't care how nice of friends they are. That is rank. So as we've paused, as we've paused, I'm going to show you the painting. So this is The Anguished Man. Oh, that's... What are your thoughts on it? It it reminds me a little bit of Scarecrow from Batman. 
but I also feel like it's the uh, the artwork to like um, American Psycho book or a Blur album, which are two very different things. But I feel like I might have seen a version of it on the front of something before, but it's um, horrible. There's Absolutely definitely horrible. Um, a musician has used it as the front cover of their EP, but I don't remember what it was. Okay. But it is pretty horrible. Can you describe it for our listeners? Uh, yeah, so if you just like imagine, it's almost like a deformed face, kind of um, Voldemort in the movies kind of thing. <gasps> yeah, good. But with no eyes, like eye sockets and a very wide open mouth. And it just, the person looks like they are anguished. Yeah, they do. That's, that's, there's no other way to describe it really, is there? Well, I would be fucking that painting right back out the door if someone told me that was a story. I was like, I don't want it. Thanks very much right, for so your can, kindness. Can, can I continue? Can we have some chocolates instead? Yeah, sorry. She told my grandmother that the artist used his own blood mixed in with the oils and committed suicide shortly after finishing the painting. I've no way of confirming if this story is true or not, but my grandmother passed the story down to me when she gave me the painting. I really liked the painting, but because my wife didn't like it, I kept it in the cellar. After our cellar was flooded during a prolonged period of heavy rain, I moved the contents of the cellar to my parents' garage while the cellar dried out. When I got the painting back, I decided to keep it in our spare bedroom on the third floor of our house. Shortly after, we started to hear strange noises, loud unexplainable bangs, and an odd scraping noise like somebody scratching their nails on a fabric. When the painting was in the cellar, our dog would not go into the cellar. She would just stand outside growling. Now and when it was upstairs, she refused to go to the top floor, despite the fact that she usually used to follow me everywhere. At night, we would often hear crying and sobbing noises. I suppose these noises could have come from outside the house. And it was suggested that the crying could have been a cat outside, but they sounded like they came from within the house. I wasn't duly alarmed at this point and put everything down to natural phenomenon. However, I started to see the shadowy figure of a man in the house. It was always just in the corner of my eye or a brief fleeting glimpse of a dark shape. Soon the rest of my family were seeing things too. It has also been suggested that because we all knew the history of the painting, that we were all imagining these things. And I suppose that is a possibility, but at the time it felt very real. As the weeks went on, the noises got progressively worse. I even heard crying that seemed to be coming from inside our own bedroom. Again, it has been suggested this could have been from a cat outside the window, and I've heard the noises cats make, and this sounded distinctly human. A few nights, I woke up suddenly and saw the dark figure of a man standing at the foot of the bed. Could I have been dreaming? Again, it's a possibility, but at the time it felt so real. The figure had the appearance of a tall, middle-aged man, but his features were unclear. I never actually felt afraid at this point, just extremely curious. I wanted to find out what was happening. Was it just my imagination, or was there something paranormal happening? We started to notice numerous cold spots around the house, and we often had a strange feeling of being watched. I often felt like someone was standing directly behind me and heard whispers that seemed to be extremely close by. One evening my wife had gone to bed early. She thought it was me getting into the bed beside her, but when she turned around she found herself staring into a stranger's eyes. I heard her scream from downstairs and ran upstairs to find her extremely shaken up by the experience. She has since told me she may have had a very lucid dream, but at the time she was convinced it actually happened. After this experience, my wife persuaded me to put the painting back in the cellar. Things settled down almost immediately, but once again, my dog refused to go anywhere near the cellar. When the painting was upstairs, the dog would quite happily follow me to the cellar. 
After posting the videos on YouTube, I attracted a lot of interest worldwide, and several people asked me if I would consider setting a video camera up in an attempt to record some of the activity. I moved the painting back into the top bedroom and set up the video camera. I recorded for approximately 8 hours over 3 consecutive nights. After the first night, I was convinced I had left the bedroom door open, but in the morning it was closed, so I changed the camera angle in order to record more of the bedroom, because at first it had been solely focused on the painting. After spending several hours looking through all the footage, I found I had recorded quite a lot of noises. Most of them sounded like they were coming from outside the house and were easily explainable, but a few were different. They sounded like they had been inside the bedroom. There was a strange scraping sound similar to the noises we had previously been hearing and the sound of a loud bang, like something falling, but in the morning nothing was disturbed. When I checked the footage from the second night, I found I had recorded the bedroom door suddenly swinging shut despite there being no draft in the room. The third night I closed the door before recording in the hope that it might swing open through the night, but on this occasion it remained closed. I decided to leave the painting in the top bedroom for the time being and over the next few weeks my wife felt someone stroke her hair when she was in the bathroom and one night when I was going to bed I saw a strange fog-like mist at the top of the stairs. I walked into the middle of it and it was extremely cold. It felt like I was standing in the middle of some dry ice. My vision was blurred and I became very lightheaded. Then suddenly it vanished as quickly as it came. Now, while some of the incidents could be explained by saying I was dreaming or it was the result of my overactive imagination, this strange mist was real. It was something I could see and feel and something for which I can find no explanation. While the painting remained upstairs, the whole family experienced feelings of being watched. We also started to hear noises again at night. Somehow the whole house felt different when the painting was upstairs. I also began to experience intense feelings of anxiety and dread and suffered from terrible nightmares. At one point it felt like I was being repeatedly and violently lifted out of the bed and slammed back down. I also started dreaming about the painting and kept dreaming about the same man. A tall middle-aged man but I could never quite make out his face. After a few weeks I decided to set up the video camera again in the spare room to try and catch some more of the activity on tape. This time I recorded over four consecutive nights for about seven hours each night. I spent hours looking through the footage again and found I had recorded several strange light anomalies. At the time these were recorded, everyone in the house was sleeping. There are thick curtains up in the bedroom, so it can't be light from outside. There was one small lamp on in the bedroom at all times. These were not like the usual orbs you see on some videos and photographs. They seemed to be moving around and over the painting. I also recorded many noises, such as bangs and scraping sounds, that were similar to the sounds in my previous video. A few days after this was recorded, I heard my son's footsteps coming down the stairs. Then suddenly I heard him stumble and fall down the last four or five steps. I jumped up and rushed to help him. To my relief, he was unhurt, just a little shaken up. Later on in the day, I could tell that something was bothering him, so I asked him what was wrong. He was a little reluctant to tell me at first, for fear of sounding stupid, but after some persuasion, he told me that it felt like something had pushed him down the stairs. He said that he was just walking down the stairs when he felt a pressure on his back that pushed him forward. He tried to stop falling, but the force was too strong. Well, this really concerned me. Was I putting my family at risk by keeping this painting in the house? I decided to put the painting away again in the cellar, and once again the activity seemed to stop. 
I've tried to research the painting's background and I've posted the story all over the internet in the vague hope that someone will recognise the artist but so far I've had no luck. I've had many offers from people wanting to buy the painting but I really have no desire to sell it. At first I thought the painting was very unsettling but I put down all the activity to the fact that I had been told of its background and perhaps I was imagining things. But the longer I have the painting, the more convinced I am that there is something paranormal about it. It's been suggested that because he uses his own blood in the oils, that it could be the restless spirit of the artist. But a few people have told me that it may be much more sinister than that. They told me that it could be some sort of demon. At first I was a little disturbed by the activity, but I always felt there was nothing malicious or evil about it. But since my son's fall down the stairs, I'm not too sure. If the painting is indeed haunted then the spirit must be trying to communicate with us, trying to tell us something. I've been advised at various times to burn the painting or even bury it. Then I have been told not to burn it because if I burn it and it's some sort of gateway, then I would just be sealing whatever has come through into our reality and that could make matters worse. I've also been told to have it blessed or even exercised. I do know, however, that I don't want to destroy it. I've asked my family if they know anything about the painting, but nobody knows anything about it. All I have to go on is that it was passed on to my grandmother and in turn was passed on to me. Hopefully I will eventually find out the artist's name and then I'll be able to research the validity of its backstory. I've tried to remain objective and to look at events rationally but I have no explanation for some of the things that I've experienced. Now before you say anything. And to you lovely listeners. Luckily, in this setting up of a camera to watch this painting... He recorded some audio. There's the normal videos of like noises, scraping, doors swinging closed, all of that stuff, all of which you could easily manipulate. Or explain away. Or explain away. But there's one. Mm. And I'm going to show it to you. I'm okay. (laughs) And our listeners, brace yourselves. So what were your thoughts? Lordy. Yeah, those noises are not good. I don't know, it's either a man, spirit man, who is in a lot of anguish, as the painting title would suggest, or it's a spirit man doing a particularly tough workout. Or a really, really difficult poo. Or a really difficult poo, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of noise. A soul destroying poo. Yeah. Uncomfortable sound. And then... So, obviously, you guys can't see the video, which I'll post the link to all of this stuff on the Facebook page. At the end of the video, what happens? Something walks across the front of it. Something runs across the front of it. it. And it doesn't... It definitely does not look human. I don't know. I'm not convinced by the image. You're not... The sound is horrific, but that could be a man. The sound is pretty horrific. It sounds gross. I'm, I'm, and weird and and I have not. to say actually when I was pre-recording the sound earlier to put into the podcast the cat went mental she hated it mm. she went full hawk ears what the fuck is that panic mode when she was listening to it earlier yeah it's not a nice sound at all no that's not a nice story so um, what do you think do you, what, do you think it's valid do you think it's real what are your thoughts about it I think there's probably some validity to it I think probably the best stories are the untold ones so I think if they've got a lot of a lot of coverage probably not as good as you think they are 
but that sound is horrific. I would not have accepted that painting in the first place, as I've said already, with that story. I liked, I'd liked, I think, I think it's probably the artist. It's probably haunted by the artist. Okay. Connection to the blood and the fact that he killed himself after. It's a lot of sadness connected to it. And actually a lot of the stuff, up until he pushed the kid down the stairs, which even the best of us want to drop kick someone down the stairs every True. now and then, don't I? True. We've all been there. <laughs> it's not doing anything too terrifying, really. Those sounds are pretty fucking. The sounds horrific. are terrifying, but that's just like they're groans, aren't they? That's if someone's in pain or in anguish or. But I yeah. still don't want to hear it. In the middle no, of I don't want to hear it. In the I don't want to hear it. I did like the way that in his story he was like, "Oh yeah, we, we heard lots of sobbing and crying, but that could have been someone outside the house. What's going on outside your house if you're <laughs> you hearing live? people sobbing and crying all the time? Like, but yeah, no, oh, it's not good. Um, but I think he's probably the artist. I think it would make sense. He's got his blood in it. Died, killed himself rather quite sad but yeah i just want to add to this story as well that the grandmother apparently put the picture in in her cellar because she was having loads of issues around the house with the picture up and then she fucking gave it to her grandson she must hate him (laughs) she must be like what an absolute dick i'm gonna give you this picture yeah you're the one you like the picture so much oh i tell you what you can have it you're the grandkid that's been causing me the most trouble here you go i've got a lovely gift for you have this picture but i think he's got a bit of stockholm syndrome the guy hasn't he that that's what that concerns me more the fact that he's like oh i don't really want to get rid of it Oh, I'd have it gone in a heartbeat. Yeah, well, I wouldn't have accepted it in the first place. I don't know how much of a mate you are. See you later. Buy me some chocolates. I don't want no haunted painting. I like weird stuff around the house. You know, I like skulls. I've got religious artifacts around the house. You make me uneasy now. You're about to reveal something. And I've bought the (laughs) anguished man. But I wouldn't want a painting like that in my house. No absolutely no way and if someone said to me the artist i don't believe i'm sorry but i actually don't believe the backstory i'm gonna put that out there there's no evidence for it there's no proof why would anybody keep something in their house that caused another human being so much torment and pain and suffering why would you do that do you know what you deserve to have a demon in your house then i mean it's a freaky your kid painting, deserves but it's, to get it's, pushed down the stairs it's not a bad painting it's not that it's a bad painting. that's what i'm saying yeah. but what I'm, but I'm not saying it's a bad painting it's fine because yeah. it, it does what it's meant to do which is freak you out because yeah. it it's the anguished man, isn't it? But if he was so tormented that he put mm. his own blood into the painting, mm. like, why would you want that in your house? I at least with the cursed, <laughs> at least with the cursed boy or the crying boy or whatever, he was just mass producing them. He did a whole yeah, series of crying pick children. Pick up damn Woolworths. He was going around kicking kids, making them cry, yeah. painting them, <laughs> making a fortune. I like old photos that I don't don't know the backstory of. Like, I like interesting photos where you see people who have no idea who they are. And I guess it's like a similar fascination if you're into paintings, isn't it? Yeah. And like, actually, if you like the painting, doesn't matter who it's by. And actually, it's more unique, isn't it? Like, just picking something up off the out of a bin or you know just off like i don't know just picking up in an auction or something like that it's it's in like it's interesting like i understand the intrigue to it but if someone told me that story i'd be like no yeah no i don't want it (laughs) i don't want it at all keep it and is this is this based in america no he's in the uk oh no it's even worse he's got a basement in the uk a cellar cellar we We had had a cellar in our own house we did (laughs) so this guy also apparently now i didn't add this into the story because i was like hmm I can't actually validate this. But apparently he took the painting to a paranormal investigator and loads of weird shit happened with the painting in front of 20 witnesses. So in his own words, he said, I've recently and temporarily moved in at my parents and obviously took the painting with me. Clearly. Didn't pack anything else, just the painting. <laughs> no clothes. <laughs> I was, it was only in the house for a few days when the noises started, the same noises I had previously experienced. Then on the third night, my father fell down the stairs, the same as my son did at the other house. Thankfully, he was unhurt, but I have now moved the painting back into storage. 
I've been working closely with John Blackburn and Ian Lawman of the Mysteria Paranormal Group, taking the picture to some of the allegedly most haunted locations in the UK, including 35 Stonegate at York and Chillingham Castle in Northumberland. It was on the evening of the 18th of May 2013 at Chillingham Castle that a group of people experienced events that were both terrifying and unexplained. None of the guests were prepared for what was about to happen in the early hours of Sunday morning. The room went icy cold when a large dark figure appeared in the middle of the seance circle. A large wooden bench banged on the floor of its own accord in response to John Blackburn's questions to the painting. Then suddenly the bench was flipped upside down violently by what was believed to be John Sage, one of the Chillingham Castle's resident powerful spirits, who we think was showing his anger to a foreign uninvited spirit to his castle. So is he um, anguished man? Is it like that that friend that nobody wants to hang around with? <laughs> Keeps getting dragged to places and they're like, why do you bring him? He's no crack. He annoys everybody. I think they thought in their head they what they were doing was nice, that they were ever setting up a little ghost convention where they can all get together and share their stories about how they died and what they do when they're haunting people. But actually, he's just bringing along this unwanted guest that nobody wants because he's a bit, you know... He's a bit fucking annoying. A bit sad. Gets too drunk. Yeah. Tells the same story over yeah. and over again. Cries. Thinks- Cries every time he's drunk. Thinks he's cool because he's painting me. with a bit of blood. It's just me. You've been painting with blood? I haven't been painting blood yet. It's next on my list though. Okay. Next on my list. Now this thing, what it does sound like to me is that this painting might be of interest to someone. Someone that owns a establishment in Las Vegas. Fucking Zach Bacons. Yeah, absolutely. Can you not just imagine him having it as one of his exhibits? Oh, he'd love museums? it. Do, do you believe that's haunted? Yeah. See, I don't. No, but you don't believe anything. Well, I don't know. I don't think that this man is trying to make a quick book, even though as far as I'm aware, there is a film in production. But that's but this has been going on for years. I mean, this is this film is only... That film is Velvet Buzzsaw. I think this guy actually needs to get onto their creators and say, excuse me, you owe me some royalties, because that pretty much is oh, the yeah. story of that guy, except he's just mass-produced the paint. Like, he did more than one painting. It's the yeah. same thing. So, Sean, you need to get on. Sean? Uh, yeah, I think so. I can't remember. Mr. Anything. Robinson. You need to get on the phone to Netflix and demand some money, I think. I don't. I know I what's going to happen. It's probably going to become part of the Conjuring series and uh, <laughs> Elaine. Fucking Ed and Rain Warren. Yeah, they're going to be in it. I don't, think, I don't think he's made any money out of it. Like, I don't, from what I can see, if you've got, like, he's got a YouTube channel that has like 10,000 su- subscribers. It's not massive hmm. in the realms of YouTube. I don't really think he's made that, any money out of it. So I don't know what the motive is behind pushing see, the story. I'm quite worried about him, actually, in all seriousness. Because he sounds a little bit overly attached to this painting, from what I can. And that sounds like possession to me. You made a big fucking leap there, didn't you? But it's the reluctance, isn't it? Do you remember we watched that episode of Ghost Adventures, which you laughed all the way through because it was so ridiculous, about that um, that guy that was being haunted by the little girl that kept attacking the family? No. But he just didn't want to... He didn't want to do anything to get rid of her. And it's, it feels like the same kind of story. He's a bit too overly attached to the painting. Like he's just take what? Why is he taking it to his parents for three days? The fucking kid. Probably because his wife was like, "Get that fucking painting out of here." <laughs> Imagine he goes tried to, to kill our son. Like, he goes get to rid his of parents it. and takes the painting and leaves the kid behind. Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking this. This is my most prized possession. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little bit worried for him, to be honest. I mean, I don't know the guy. <laughs> yeah, he's not. He's not our friend. So making big leaps, but yeah, giant leap. So Sean Robinson, if you're listening, get in contact with us because yeah. I want to. I want to talk to you about. Your fucking weird painting. And I want to go, why? I just want to have a look at it. I just I, want to see it. I'm good. I've seen the photos. This is terrifying enough about seeing it in person. If I gave you a million pounds, would you sleep in a room with it? Yeah, of course I would. What about a hundred pounds? It's the end of the month. Depends when you're offering me the hundred pounds, to be honest, because 
If it's after payday, probably not. Right, end of the month. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> to be fair, it's the only reason why I didn't buy the crying boy because I was like, we don't have that kind of money to be spending on frivolous. Thank you, end of the pictures. month, because oh, <laughs> that would have been an awkward conversation. But yeah, no, if it was the end of the month, yeah, it probably would. To be fair, because you know it's two tanks of petrol, just about. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Get me to work. So we've got some reviews. Cool, and then I've got a question for you at the end. Okay, so. Our first review comes from Zelka1. Entertaining and funny. I was looking for a podcast about ghost stories for ages. I was really happy to find this one until I listened to the Dear David story. (laughs) Since then, my dogs have to go with me to the toilet at night. I love it. Emma and Dan are great hosts. I like the film reviews and all the stories. Thank you. That's really nice. I love that because it was Emma and Dan, a great host, not just, oh, Emma's so amazing. She's so lovely. I love Emma. I can't help it. I can't help it. I'm adorable, okay? And our other review says, sleep at one eye open. I usually use podcasts to help me sleep. This podcast is different because I'm always awake and listening by the end. My boyfriend is lying next to me in utter terror, but I find every case fascinating. Really enjoying each episode and I'm excited for the future of this podcast. And that came from Squishy 101. Squishy. Squishy. Thank you very much for your reviews. We love them. Thank you. I know, I love them. It's to hear that people like it. And people like me. (laughs) We do. We do. (laughs) Uh, we do like doing them, so it's good to hear that people enjoy listening to them as well. Okay, so what was your question? So, if you made friends with a haunted painting, what would you call the little boy in the painting? <laughs> I know what you mean by this. So, you're <laughs> saying if there was a haunted painting in your grandmother's house and you were to name the little boy, what would you name him? That's exactly oh, what I'd I mean. call him Diablo, because that's what he's called in the story, isn't it? I'd call him Bernie McBurnface. What? <laughs> <laughs> that's mean. But that's what he does. When I if I wake up in the middle of the night and you're on fire, I'm not even going to try and put you out. I had a dream that I was on fire. That I was, no, you fucking I did last night. No, you didn't. I did. That was one of the things that kept me awake last night. Was I just kept, I drowned in the first dream and then I was on fire in the second dream. Oh shit! Yeah. <laughs> so don't bring no fire paintings home, right? Oh, good thing I didn't bring the fire painting home <laughs> then, isn't it? So if you enjoyed today's episode. If you had a crying boy in your house when you were growing up and your house burnt down or didn't, come and talk to us. And if you had a chip van. <laughs> if you had a chip van and your house didn't burn down, come and talk to us as well because that's a fucking miracle. And if you want to talk to us, we are on Twitter. At Real Ghost Pod. We are on Instagram at Real Life Ghost Stories and we are on Gmail at Real Life Ghost Stories Podcast at gmail.com or something along those lines I'd and we're we have a close group on um, Facebook yeah close group. <laughs> what do we have again we there? have a close book on Facebook <laughs> <laughs> we have a closed group on Facebook called Real Life Ghost Stories Podcast and the answer is Emma and Dan because that's us and until next week adios adios